It's number one with a Bullard, the audio edition. I'm Gabe Bullard. Episode 8, Time and Place. While I was researching this newsletter, I came across videos from Coming Out of Their Shells, a live event that featured the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. This is one of the stranger artifacts of Tur- Oh, okay, I'm sorry. I have to be honest here. I didn't just happen across these videos. As you know, a couple episodes ago, I talked about the Ninja Turtles. When I opened my computer and the browser, I still had a tab open to YouTube with the intro from the cartoon. One of the recommended videos was this coming out of their shells video, and I thought this would make a really good newsletter, but I need to dress it up a little bit. I just can't give you the artifice. There's enough artifice in this already. So let me start over. I'll be honest. It's number one with a Bullard, the audio edition. I'm Gabe Bullard. Episode 8. I'm coming out of my shell. In the middle of a YouTube rabbit hole, I found myself watching videos from Coming Out of Their Shells, a live event that featured the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Live October 3rd in concert on pay-per-view cable TV. It's the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in the Coming Out of Their Shells tour. Parents, treat your kids to the musical show created just for them. It's anti-drugs, anti-crime, and totally fun. This is one of the more bizarre artifacts of Turtle Mania. Actors in turtle suits visited local arenas and lip-synced to pop songs about pizza, friendship, overcoming peer pressure, and other wholesome topics you'd expect a group of adolescent reptilian superheroes to sing about. Can it really be called lip-syncing if they don't have lips, though? Besides the tour, there was an album, a VHS tape, and a pay-per-view event. I loved the Ninja Turtles, but my love was limited to toys and cartoons. Live-action turtles were played by people in suits wearing animatronic heads, the mechanically animated facial movements on top of natural human bodies separated the turtles into a wisecracking kid on top and a fierce martial artist below. The whole appeal of turtles was the package of personality. In movies and live shows, the turtles just raised too many questions about metaphysics and the true nature of the mind. Though I now appreciate the craft of the costumes made by Jim Henson's Creature Shop. Coming out of their shells also muddied the turtles' mythology for me. In the cartoon and movies, they were always hiding in shadows under bulky trench coats so no humans would ever see them. Didn't their career as rock stars cancel their need for subterfuge while fighting crime? Or were these supposed to be the real turtles who played themselves in movies? I had friends who saw the tour, and I never knew if they thought the turtles were people in suits or the real turtles. It seemed like too much for my favorite cartoon characters to also exist in real life. Maybe this explains why I never got into pro wrestling either. When I watched the Coming Out of Their Shells video, these questions came rushing back to me. And they brought something else with them. I could vividly place myself in the living room of one of my childhood friends, this video playing in the background, and me jealously watching him show off the features of his new turtle copter. I could even remember the Glade plug-in scent of his house. Some of the YouTube videos had TV station logos on them, and they advertised what was coming on next when the video originally aired. With these, I got a more general memory. I could remember that time of day when Saturday morning cartoons were ending and a matinee movie was about to start. The movie was whatever the local TV station could afford to get through syndicators, and was never very interesting. This feeling of this time of day was the feeling of finally needing to go outside and play, 
to aimlessly ride my bike up and down the street looking for other kids who had also hit a TV wall. While looking for a video from the Sonic the Hedgehog game for a recent newsletter, I played a clip that opened with the bit-crushed, sing-songy Sega jingle that played whenever you turned on a Sega Genesis. I immediately felt the feeling of being inside on a warm afternoon with the midday sun hitting my face through a closed window. You probably have experiences like this too. It's not the memory of a particular show or movie or game from childhood. It's a very precise memory of the situation you were in when you saw the show or when you played the game. It can be one specific time or a mix of generalizations based on specific sense memories. For example, when I see the shade of bluish green that was the default color of the Windows 2000 desktop, I can feel the texture of the molded plastic chairs from my high school computer lab, along with a vague sense of dread from being assigned a seat next to the class bully. Certain songs take me back to where I was when I first heard them. These feelings can be nostalgic on their own. Maybe you like molded plastic chairs or spending warm days inside with a 16-bit video game console. But they also feed into the nostalgia we have for certain media. When we watch TV, we don't just remember what we watch, we remember how we watch. The event of viewing gets logged just as much as the content of the program. Television is remembered and felt as a significant experience that can illuminate histories and memories of the self and the family. Professor Amy Holdsworth writes in her book Half the World Away, Television, Space, Time, and Memory. This isn't limited to movies or music. In a recent interview, food writer Helen Rosner addressed the popularity of pieces she's written about Olive Garden, Chicken Tenders, and other examples of what she calls mass food. That food is the stuff of day-to-day experience, and people respond to Rosner celebrating it. The small moments of filling up the car with gas with your dad and he buys you a hostess cherry pie and that becomes your special ritual, that's not me saying the hostess cherry pie is the greatest food in the world, she says. That's me saying that moment with my dad was an important moment. And because food is more than just food, because that moment was important, the hostess cherry pie is the greatest food in the world. This doubling up of memories makes nostalgia for objects and artifacts extra powerful. Rewatching a movie we loved in childhood brings back the moments we watched it, on the couch with mom, laughing together, homesick from school under a blanket with the taste of cough medicine lingering, at a sleepover trying to keep heavy eyelids open and stay up all night, or when we realize we might be a little too old for childish things. The experiences make us who we are, and the more we remember them, the more central they become to us. Our meaning is built on memories, and our memories are tied up with media. No wonder we have so many sequels. Bringing back a character is an attempt to bring back a memory in the audience. And no wonder some people get so angry about reboots and reassessments. They defend old kids' movies as classics because the experiences they had watching them were so foundational. Both the studio executive greenlighting a new installment of an old franchise and the guy posting an angry tweet about it are guided by the same conflation. They each confuse the movie with the memory. We're not wrong to have these associations, but we can avoid the confusion. The difference is that movies and TV shows and video games are in the world for everyone to experience. Our experience is the result of a specific circumstance, and that circumstance enhances our enjoyment. We should celebrate the relationship between moments and media, because that moment is what memories are made of. And unlike media, the memories we form are not for everyone. The memories are ours. And no matter how many sequels there are, no one can change the original.
Number One with a Bullard is written and produced by me, Gabe Bullard. Linda Golden edits the text of the newsletter that you can read at GabeBullard.com. She also edits the script that you are listening to me read right now, though I ad-lib the credits. That's why it's so awkward when I ask you to go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you got this and leave a rating or review or to tell a friend or anything like that. I'm kind of shy about it and I don't even want to type it. But if you feel so inclined to do it, please do. A few people have. It's really made a difference. I appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks.